You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1362 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening, December 4th. And I thank you, as always, for joining us on the Lawton Hawks podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check out the podcast across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, and YouTube on the video side. Today's show will be sort of an emergency edition of the podcast, talking about the bombshell reporting on Sunday afternoon from Shams Sharania, as well as Sam Amick of The Athletic. Plenty of detail in there, and then we'll get into my own thoughts on what's transpiring. And at the end of the podcast, a little bit of a Hawks Thunder preview as the Hawks do return to action on Monday evening. Except for Marina, I will be in the building for that game. Um, if you're a long-time listener, you may, not know, you may know this, I should say, but if you're not, I don't love talking about the, uh, the tea, as they say. I like to talk about basketball on this podcast, but... Anytime there is a national level report that involves some strife behind the scenes with the best player on a team, a superstar player, and its head coach becomes national news. Uh, the Hawks are not always covered nationally in the way that we might all prefer locally because uh, there's not always the attention paid and the detail paid to the Hawks, in my opinion. But this is the time of year and the time of type of story that gets to, to that national level and uh, playing to get to on what probably is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode of the podcast, but still a pretty uh, emergency level, uh, siren level podcast on this Sunday evening. All right, so we'll start from Friday to give you the full context here. The Hawks had multiple players on the injury report. They were added after shoot-around on Monday morning. Pretty normal circumstances in some ways, headlined by Trey Young, who was added to the injury report as questionable with shoulder soreness on midday on Friday. By now, if you're a Hawks fan or listening to this podcast, you probably know that Trey did not play in the game on Friday, which the Hawks ended up winning in pretty impressive fashion while they were very shorthanded and being a, a very solid team in the Denver Nuggets. I talked about that show, by the way, in full on the podcast on Friday. So if you if you want to listen to that podcast, I definitely encourage you to talk about that, to sort of dive into that one on the basketball side, and please subscribe to the show. But during the game, I think I was the first person uh, to report this. Trey Young was not in the building at all on Friday, which – People were kind of noticing that he, he was on the bench. And I, I did some uh, some reporting. I'm not always a newsbreaker, but I, I'm pretty sure I was the first person to say he was not in the building on Friday. And that's pretty strange for a player, particularly one of Trey's uh, status, to not be in the building for a home game in the middle of a homestand, a multi-game homestand, when they were not – it was not illness. Trey Young was on the injury report with an injury and not one that would have kept him off of the bench. So he had been a shootaround earlier that day by all accounts and all that fun stuff. So it was definitely a little bit odd. I didn't think of it as like a, a siren low situation at that point, but uh, it, was not, it was noticeable that he wasn't there, which led me to kind of find out that he was not in the building at all. And there you go. Now, fast forward to Sunday, you know, about you know 40 hours later or so, Laura Williams of the AJC asked Nate McMillan about Trey not being that at the game on Friday. And McMillan referred to a, quote, miscommunication, end quote. Gave no other details. I've heard the audio for this. The audio quality is terrible because it's during shoot-around. Sorry, during practice today. So I'm not going to play it for you because it's basically in, unintelligible. But just trust me when I say, Nate basically said nothing other than the fact that it was mis miscommunication. And uh, Nate is very good at kind of stonewalling. And that was definitely what happened in that case. He, I, th I think he used that word multiple times in the answer that he gave to Lauren. Uh, four or five hours after that, on Sunday afternoon, Shams and Sam Amick releases the report in conjunction with uh, everything at the athletic and all their resources, and it's trying to let on what happened with, behind the scenes. Uh, I'll say this now. This is reporting. This is not um, – the Hawks did not announce this. I, I have not witnessed this. 
So I'm going to attribute them. These, these guys are very credible reporters. Um, so I'm going to assume that this is correct on some level. Um, but at the same time, it's not documented or you know released by the Hawks. All, that's, all that fun stuff. All those caveats definitely apply. Um, the first part of the report was that Trey Young was having treatment on his shoulder and Nate McMillan asked him reportedly if he's going to go through shoot around, have treatment, and then play in the game on Friday. Trey reportedly said, and by the way, I definitely encourage you to listen, uh, sorry, to read the entire piece. The Athletic is definitely something that you should be subscribing to, in my opinion. I have not paid to endorse them by any means, but it is very valuable for me to dive in beyond the Hawks and just the entire NBA landscape. But I definitely always encourage people to read the actual reporting in the way that it was written. Anyway, Trey reportedly said that he wanted to focus on his treatment during the shoot-around and not participate and, then he, and, and see later in the day if he could play in the game on Friday. Nate uh, did not endorse that approach reportedly and uh, seemingly gave Trey two options. Basically, in a way that Shams wrote it, was that one of them was to come off the bench for the game or don't come to the arena at all. And Young, obviously, of those two choices, reportedly chose the option not to play and did not come to the arena at all. Uh, He was tweeting during the game, so I think he was watching the game. Um, That's one of those things, like, I was curious to see once I was told that he was not there, would he be kind of active? Because, you know, Trey is definitely on social media. And likes to say things. Um, he was tweeting during the game, encouragement, all kinds of, you know, it was all positive about the Hawks, etc. But that's uh, at least notable because guys cannot tweet on the bench. If you're on the bench, you can't have your phone. So that was one dead giveaway that he was not really close to the team at that point in time. Anyway, um, and for the record, Young does have an actual, an actual injury by all, by all accounts. Now, I don't know how serious it is, and he's not on the injury report for Monday's game, so it's not probably not, not that serious. But I was told that it's been bothering him for about a week at this point, the shoulder, and he was getting treatment on it when this alleged incident happened on Friday. So it's some sort of injury for Trey, at least some sort of ailment. Uh, Also, I will say this. Hawks Fan TV had a tweet over the weekend about a, quote, heated argument between a player and Emmett Millen. So they were on something there. They didn't mention Trey or any of the details, but they were uh, that was sort of making the rounds and definitely people asking me about that. I had not heard it, but at the same time, like, obviously something happened there. So kudos to them for having that ahead of time. Uh, Trey Young then went through practice on Sunday, which happened, of course, early today as I'm recording this, and he's going to be playing Monday. He's not on the injury report at all. By all accounts, he's going to play, and Shams reports that he has no, no disciplinary, disciplinary action is happening for Trey at this point. I heard the same and try to poke around with a little bit, little bit today. So nothing from the team, no suspension, any of that stuff. Uh, this is supposed to be you know, all as well at this point in time. Now, in zooming out a little bit here, and I'll, I'm going to have more of my own thoughts in a second, um, the framing behind what was written by Shams and Amick paints a pretty ugly picture, honestly, overall. Now, if you've been following this team for a while, there was a, a flood of this kind of reporting during the end of the Lloyd Pierce era. There was a, a little bit of a spat right up from Chris Kirchner about John Collins and Trey Young in a film session. These kind of things range from serious to not serious in my mind, from what I can gather. This is one that's not quite on the full-on five-alarm fire, but it's not good to be sure to have a player of Trey Young's stature and a head coach uh, reportedly in this kind of situation. Now, the piece led by saying, quote, the, man- the team is managing simmering issues between its head coach and star player, end quote. That on its own is not great from a national standpoint. Now, they also wrote about a, quote, microcosm of tension in the locker room and reported, quote, multiple team meetings early this season to resolve various conflicts, end quote. Now, what I can gather, I don't think it's necessarily been like a full-on team meeting all the time the Hawks are also like playing decently well they're not playing great necessarily but uh, I will just say imagine if they were nine and 14 and not and not 13 and 10 at this point at least they are winning they are actually fourth in the east right now which is kind of funny when you think about all the way that this team has been talked about in the recent in in the recent past about the offense and all that stuff they're 13 and 10 right now and actually uh, winning more than they lose 
Now, the last thing that I will say um, from, from their piece is that uh, they wrote that it is, quote, the latest sensitive situation that has caused many people within the Hawks to question Young's leadership approach, end quote. Now, that's notable. Obviously, it does not name people. Uh, within, within the Hawks can be anything, could be anybody in the organization. But, you know, that's definitely notable that, you know, the best player, the face of the franchise would have those kind of criticisms or at least, um, you know, critiques laid out publicly in a national outlet like this. Um, Trey, I will say, has never been known as the most vocal leader. He's definitely more of a lead by example guy. And I think he's thrust into a leadership role because he is the best player. He's not a natural, like vocal, like galvanizing leader. That's kind of, that, that's not even me like criticizing. I think that's just the reality of the situation. There was reporting a couple of years ago when the Hawks were having some leadership challenges. They didn't have a whole lot of voice in the locker room. Trey was on that team, was the best player on that team, et cetera. I don't think that if you just look at even, even Trey's personality publicly. Um, I've talked to Trey you know, more than people have, generally speaking, but he's not the most boisterous. He's not the most like leadership guy in terms of what he says. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad leader, but he's not, he's not like known for that either. So that's kind of part of the calculus here as well. But the fact that again, many people within the Hawks are questioning reportedly his leadership approach, that's not necessarily great. And the last thing here that I will say is that in the piece, executives across the league, this is a quote from Shams, executives across the league who have heard about the Hawks behind these issues wonder what this means for the future of Nate McMillan. Uh, Shams did report that Nate is safe right now, given the team is, again, in fourth place. Um, I think if the Hawks had lost the last couple games, if they had lost in Orlando and had lost five in a row, maybe you get the alarm bells on Nate. But at 13 and 10, something crazy would have to happen to get a coach fired in fourth place, especially a, a guy with two and a half years left in his contract. He's in year two of a four-year deal. That is definitely part of this as well. I, I know I, a lot of the deals for coaches are basically four-year minus one. So it could be a team option on year four. I don't actually know that for sure. but it's a four-year deal for sure, and this is year two of that four-year deal. So you have to pay out some money if you're going to if you're going to find Nate McMillan right now. And also, unlike what happened with Lloyd Pierce, they don't have Nate McMillan to go to on this bench. Uh, they have Joe Prunty, who is a former head coach, but not necessarily someone who's seen as a future head coach in the league. They have some guys who, you know, um, Michael Lombardi has been kind of an elevated assistant coach. They don't have that very obvious uh, guy to turn it over to in the middle of the season either, which is at least part of the conversation. So. Uh, I'm going to talk about what I make of all of this in a minute, but I wanted to at least lay out what, what was reported, what was said and written by Shams, what was uh, noted by Sam Amick, et cetera. And uh, just to say, as a tease for what will happen in a second when I talk about more of this, this is not good. Uh, I, I don't think it's a 10 out of 10, like tear down the tear down the walls kind of issue right now, but I don't think that this is a good situation to be in a quarter of the season. Uh, and that goes without saying on some level, but for this to get out in the way that it did, and for just like the situation that happened, how it did is uh, definitely not a positive for the state of the Hawks in the present. All right, I'll have more on this in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. And with Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles just about any occasion or budget across the US, the UK, Canada and coming soon to Australia and book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Or if you want to get a classic or luxury car for a special event, a birthday or a holiday, or find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget, just want to get from point, point A to point B, test drive that new electric vehicle as well. If you have your eye on that to see how it fits in your everyday life. And many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget board rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, and December is here, and the NBA season is in full swing with plenty of football, hockey, and other action going on in the sports world. Of course, bowl season is approaching. 
football playoffs, all that fun stuff. And Bet Online is the number one source for what wedge information you're looking for, and that includes stats, news, and analysis this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league that out there at Bet Online. That includes latest in football and basketball and soccer with the World Cup still ongoing, esports, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, and many more. Bet Online is also very useful, engaging the latest on the Hawks from the nightly lines and um, totals and money lines, all that fun stuff, to futures markets, season win totals, conference odds, title odds, etc. Even the individual award stuff can be found at Bet Online. Bet Online is also the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at Bet Online. Check out Bet Online. On your mobile device or computer to learn more about all of the trends and the action in the sports world, but online where the game starts. All right. So as I said before the break, it's not great, obviously, is the big picture takeaway here. There was some buzz about Nate and Trey at the end of last season, not being 100% on the same page. Uh, Nate, of course, flew to Oklahoma over the summer. There was talk about that. Both he and Trey acknowledged that. They spent some time together. Both sides were saying all the right things coming into the season. But now the season is going. Uh, the Hawks' win-loss rec- record is not disastrous again by any means, but the offense is kind of a mess. I'm sure that's not helping things with regard to an offense first superstar that while Trey is still putting up counting stats, he's not having his best season in either individually. Efficiency is down. Um, he's not necessarily mentioned on those all NBA conversations at, at this point in the season. It's still very early, but no one's making a, a campaign for Trey to be a, a dark horse MVP candidate or all, even an all, all NBA guy right now if the season ended today. So that's part of this as well. Um, I've said this before, but I don't think this is the best head coach superstar partnership that you would draw up in a lab necessarily. Nate is an old school guy. He does command respect, and that def- that definitely worked for him uh, beautifully two years ago. Famously, the team galvanized around Nate. Part of that was getting healthier and all that stuff, too. But uh, going from Lloyd to Nate in the middle of the season worked out great for the Hawks, obviously. But I can see those two not necessarily having the best relationship in the world personality-wise, because I know what, what I know about both those guys in general. Uh, Nate, not the most innovative coach tactically, making life difficult for a player like Trey at times. Trey has a reputation that whether he's earned it or not, he's, he's kind of had it for a while, even dating back to college, about being a little bit challenging to work with on some level, whether that's true or not. Like, I've never had to work with a guy. Um, but none of us, and really, none of us ever know. I'm sure, I'm very, very confident that without even checking my mentions, someone has called Trey Young a coach killer in the last couple of hours. I can guarantee that happened, either nationally or locally. Somebody said, somebody said that. And look, that's just part of the deal when you're when you're when you're a prominent player, a superstar player. Um, but none of us really know ever on this stuff. Not even like me, someone who's more plugged in than most. I'll never going to know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. But Shams, even in writing some of those things about Trey, paints a picture about what's going on. And obviously, it did not go well with Lloyd at the end either. And I'm sure it was a two way street. Even this incident, I'll just say this: like the way it was reported, <laughs> it seems like kind of petty on both sides. Like. I'm not going to read the entire thing to you on the podcast, but like on Nate's side, it seems kind of petty to like give Trey an ultimatum about like, you're going to come off the bench or go home kind of thing. That's not great on his side, on Trey's side, like, you know, him kind of whatever it is, blowing it off and then not showing up to the game. That's not great either. So like, I don't, don't, I'm not sure where to assign blame. It's probably two way. It's probably the safest thing to say at this point. And look, these guys work together. And by the way, this is a spoiler maybe for some people on the outside. NBA players and coaches don't always get along. NBA players and players don't always get along, even on the same team. Now, there are levels of strife that you cannot get past, but a lot of stuff happens over the course of the season. Like, if this this didn't get out, you know, would it have impacted the team moving forward? Maybe not. We'll see. But uh, I I generally generally think that some of the stuff gets overplayed, but I will say it's not good. So, and the reality of the NBA also is part of the job of a head coach, and you can argue about this on both sides, is getting along with a star player and making the star player happy because, you know, like it or not, Trey Young has a lot more power organizationally than Nate McMillan does. That's just the reality. That's how it is in the NBA. 
95% of the time, maybe even higher than that, is that the player, especially a star player, has more juice in the organization than the, than the head coach does. Like maybe a situation like Greg Popovich or Eric Spolstra or, um, you know, pick whatever like Hall of Fame level coach, they have more than most. But even then, if you're the Warriors and your choices are backing Steph Curry or, St or Steve Kerr, you're picking Steph Curry. If your choices in San Antonio in the 90s or, or the 2000s were to back Tim Duncan or Greg Popovich, you're choosing Tim Duncan. So it's like, and by the way, Nate McMillan is not, is not Greg Popovich. He's not on that level of coach. And Trey is obviously the face of the franchise. He knows it. Everybody knows it. And that's part of the dynamic here, for better, for better or worse. So coaches are always the first to go. We saw that with Lloyd. I think that, you know, if, especially if you're, if you're in the front office, if you're ownership, one of the e easiest things, quote unquote, that you can do to change up everything is to fire the coach. There is no salary cap. There is uh, implications on a head coach. There are no luxury tax implications on a head coach. It's easier to do that than making sweeping changes to your roster. So I say all that to say, like, I know Hawks fans, a lot of, a lot of Hawks fans that I've seen are not happy with Nate and want Nate gone. And, you know, I, I get it on both sides. I've talked about Nate a lot on this podcast. I think Nate, I've said this long, for a long time. At one point, two years ago, and even last year, I think I was probably lower on Nate than the fan base was because I think Nate is kind of the same, same guy he's always been. I think Nate McMillan is a middle, a middling coach, not a terrible coach, not a great coach. He's a guy who's been around for a long time, has a lot of wins, a lot of respect around the league. He's a guy who people like, but at the same time, he's not like a culture changer in terms of your schematics. Now, locker room stuff, he's actually usually, he's pretty regarded as pretty good at that stuff. At the same time, Indiana, couple of things didn't go super well behind the scenes. Brogdon famously didn't like him very much. Um, some of the guys in Indiana at the end did not go well. So there's always a next to play. I don't think that this is a full-on panic moment, but it is a reminder of a few things. Number one, Trey has a lot of power. Number two, uh, if there is something that's going to happen between the two of them, Nate's going to be the one that's going to go. I'm pretty confident about that. And at the moment, like, I don't think we've reached the level where like Nate has to be fired or something has to happen. Um, we'll see how Monday goes. We'll see if Trey speaks. Um, by all accounts, Trey was out the door at practice today before the media was let in. So he was not able to speak to the media. Um, I don't know if he'll talk on Monday, either at shoot around or before or after the game. We will see about that as well. Let's see what he has to say, how he sort of acknowledges this. But um, yeah, it's something that I think is rising to a keeping an eye on territory at this point, if I am the Hawks, if I am, uh, you know, people listening to this podcast, if I'm, if I'm a Hawks fan, um, my advice would be to not like panic about this, but at the same time, it is something now that once this kind of story comes out, the lights get brighter on the situation so that any public interaction between Nate and Trey that has like any weirdness to it, uh, on a court or even like in a huddle is going to get magnified. Anything that Nate says, anything Trey says is going to get magnified about this and that can add more fuel to the fire as we go. So uh, a weird one for sure, and uh, prompted an emergency podcast. At the same time, uh, it was uh, definitely kind of a weird day, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. Last thing before we get out of here on the podcast is a brief look ahead to the game on Monday because I'm already going to, you know, I don't, always, I don't always do game previews, but I'm already here. It's Sunday, it's Sunday night. The Hawks play on Monday, so a couple of uh, news and notes things to hit on here. The injury report is much cleaner for the Hawks than it was on Friday. That's a positive. Only four guys are on the injury report at all, and they're already ruled out. So there's no drama on the injury report heading into Monday. John Collins and DeAndre Hunter are going to be out for a while longer. Those guys are out right now. Justin Holiday is still in the health, health and safety protocol. That is uh, notable. Uh, Nate said he was not able to come back and practice today. I guess there's a, still a chance he could be clear, he could be clear for, for Monday, but he is uh, currently listed as out in on the injury report. 
And then Trent Forrest is officially in the concussion, concussion protocol. So he was uh, being evaluated on Friday. Now he's in the protocol. And uh, that's a tricky situation. You kind of have to test out of that. So those four guys are expected to be out in this game. That also means that in addition to Trey, uh, Click Capella, Vladimir Bogdanovich, Jalen Johnson, and Frank Kaminsky are all off the injury report entirely after they were questionable coming in to Friday. So particularly with Capella and Bogey, that is very good news. Clint, they just have to have. He's so valuable to them. And then Bogey coming off of the uh, debut on uh, on Friday, a step forward there. We'll see what his minutes look like. I, I wonder if Nate will answer questions about, about Bogey's workload in the future, but he played 22 minutes in the opener. Uh, he'd probably go up, from, go up from there, but I don't, I don't think you'll be seeing him play starter minutes anytime soon. But another body, another shooter, and uh, he will help very much in the absence of Hunter and Collins in particular. Um, on the Thunder side, just briefly, they are 10 and 13. They actually won and put up 135 the other night in Minnesota. Um, Shigel Alexander is a star. He is playing fantastic basketball. He is an all NBA guy as of, as of right now, this season, averaging 31 points a game. He is the number one guy to keep an eye on in this spot. And by the way, Oklahoma city leads the league in points in the paint. And part of that, or a lot of that is, is Shea who leads the league in drives and points off drives. So the Hawks have to stop the point of attack in this game. Uh, having Trey back when I help, when I help that, uh, I think that you'll probably see DeJounte on Shea quite a bit. You might see even like someone like Jarrett Culver, maybe even, uh, you know, Aaron Holiday at some point. Uh, he's obviously a little, bit, a little bit smaller than you probably want on someone like Shea, but he's a tough matchup for anybody, and the Hawks don't really have a perfect guy to guard him. DeJounte is probably their best option, but uh, I think it would, it would have been Hunter, honestly, if he'd been around, but he's not, he's not going to be around this game, so maybe you'll see uh, a little bit of a uh, kitchen-take approach to guarding Shea. Other thing for the Hawks here is to protect the ball. The Thunder lead the league in turnovers forced per game on defense. Fortunately, the Hawks are awesome at that, so that's something to keep an eye on, but um, that's one for the record books. Um, on the last part of this, is, uh, as I kind of always say, the, injury, the uh, injury reports in addition to the spread, I'm looking right now in real time to give you the best possible spread on the game on Monday, but with the injury reports out and everything, there's still nothing that I've seen so far. I think the Hawks are going to be favored in the game. I've not seen a number just yet, but uh, I'm fairly sure, unless something crazy happens, the Hawks will be favored at home, but nothing is a given. Like The Thunder uh, are better than I thought they were going to be. They're 10 and 13. They are below average in offense and defense, barely, but they're not terrible even on the floor. I think uh, Shea's carrying the offense for sure. They're also very well coached. The Hawks can definitely lose to the Thunder. Um, this is a better team than you would think on paper. And they're also pretty healthy. Only Chet Holmgren, who's out for the season basically for Oklahoma City, is on the injury report. So they are the healthier team in this spot. And the Hawks, again, without Hunter and Collins. I know they won on Friday without those guys, but they are still worse without Collins and Hunter on the team. So we'll see how this all goes. And uh, definitely a nice, interesting game on a Monday evening by all accounts. All right. That's it for this emergency podcast. I really appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. I want to plug a few things on the way out. Number one, please subscribe to this show across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey app, all those places, as well as YouTube on the video side. If you are trying to support the podcast, the best possible way is to go ahead and subscribe and download across platforms. Put it on auto download, however you want to do that. Um, ratings and reviews are also very, very positive. And please follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Also, I am writing more often these days. I have launched a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash btrolling. If you want to support, all the posts right now are still free, but I have a lot of patrons who I definitely thank quite a bit for sending me a little bit of money each month on that particular platform to get some uh, some support of the podcast, also support of everything that's going on on my written content. I've been writing game previews and little things on that for the last I don't know, a few weeks, and it's been a lot of fun to get back into the swing of things on the writing side. So all that said, Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. I really do appreciate it. I'll see everybody after the game on Monday evening.